Word Radio On Demand, 96.1 FM and 900 AM WURD. Streaming live at wordradio.com. Jamie Gauthier, she is the councilwoman for the 3rd District of Philadelphia, and she is here with us to talk about some of the things that she is working on in this new session of City Council. Good afternoon, Jamie. How are you? Oh, Jamie, we can't hear you, but that is, I think, not on you. I think that is, uh, we've had some issues on our Facebook today, so we're going to try to make sure that we can get you uh, on. And uh, yeah, we will talk a little bit about uh, what's happening in the third district as it relates to affordable housing. That is what we're going to talk about today, because that is one of the things that uh, Councilwoman Gauthier is very passionate about. So we want to make sure we can hear her well. You know, as I said before, technology, when it works, it is great. When it doesn't work, it lets you down. You know, so many of the things that we are used to uh, seeing and hearing and using these days from our phones to anything else, to uh, smart media and all of that. Well, when they go left, they go left. (laughs) It's not like when they go low, uh, we go high. It's like when they go left, they go left. And then we have to figure out ways to resolve it. But, uh, you know, we will get to uh, Councilwoman Gautier, I am sure, momentarily. But one of the things that I can say is that gentrification is real and it is happening all over the city and it is really pushing people out of being able to uh, find affordable places to live. And that's one of the things that she has been working diligently on. Uh, In fact, when I saw the film, The Kitchen, which is the British film that is currently on Netflix, it really made me think a lot, even though it was supposed to be set in sort of a dystopian future, uh, the fight for people to stay in their homes in that movie. That's what that movie is based on. And this is a movie that was uh, Daniel Kalula has uh, co-written wrote and co-directed that uh, it reminded me of the struggle with university townhomes and how they were trying so hard to stay in their homes and they were uh, doing everything that they could in order to really stay. I mean, of course, it's a movie. It, it is. It was much more dramatic uh, the way that they portrayed the fight for uh, community which is really what it was. It was really a movie that it was about the fight for community and very similar to what uh, happened with university homes. If we can't get uh, the... Uh, if we can't get this technology straight, then just have uh, her call us, give us a call. It might be a uh, phone today. We're sorry about that for the folks who are listening and for Councilwoman Gautier, who of course is a friend of the show. And uh, yeah, we'll just try to have her on the phone if we cannot work out. Well, we might have worked out the Facebook. Let's try that. Jamie, can you come off mute? And let's see if we can hear you now. No, still something going on. Something is happening. Listen, that's technology for you. So we'll try to uh, get Jamie on the phone if we can. Yeah. Uh, But in any case, what I was saying is that uh, Councilwoman Gautier was very instrumental in making sure that at least uh, the folks who were in university homes were compensated. And through the lens of this fictional film, uh, you saw people who were really fighting for their community and in doing so, uh, really dealing with the challenges of 
gentrification. And certainly we want, especially in a city as old as Philadelphia, you want new construction to come in that helps the tax base and all those kinds of things. But you also want to leave room for people to have affordable housing. And I think that that uh, in West Philadelphia is very much so uh, a challenge because there is so much new construction and the universities um, certainly have a footprint in the area that is expanding. And again, we want people to come in and, and be in our universities and be able to learn and study and hopefully remain Philadelphia residents. But we don't want that to happen at the expense of those who are already uh, living in the city and are challenged by the affordable housing. Um, as you know, these days, just to rent, it requires a set of criteria that not everybody can reach. We're talking, uh, and I've heard this from multiple people, especially young people, that when you go to rent an apartment now, if it's a new construction building, they are often looking at uh, prohibitive amounts uh, of money and also looking at credit scores that are uh, 600 and over. And these are not necessarily things uh, that are attainable for everyone who wants to rent. Now, you may say that people should be able to, um, you know, to, to be able to get into an apartment should be able to have this kind of criteria. But I know that Councilwoman Gautier is going to talk to us a little bit more about that. And I believe we have her on the line. Hi, Jamie. How are you today? Hi, Tanya. When in doubt, go low tech. So you know, that's what problem. you it's what you have to do sometimes. <laughs> We're so sorry about that. And thank you, of course, for coming on. Now, I know that you've just recently introduced legislation as part of your defying displacement campaign. So tell us yeah. about that. Yeah. So defying displacement um, is all about putting in place guardrails and legislation that will protect our most vulnerable renters and homeowners. Um, so the first leg of this campaign includes uh, three uh, areas. So the first bill that um, I introduced last week is around protecting people who are trying to use um, vouchers in order to rent, uh, to rent, to, to find a housing unit. Um, so we know that across the city, many people are trying to use Section 8 vouchers and other housing vouchers in order to try to find housing. But many, many times um, these people are discriminated against. Um, up to 70 percent of landlords citywide um, do not accept voucher tenants. Um, that number jumps up to over 80 percent in low poverty neighborhoods. And when we're talking about folks who are trying to use vouchers, Mostly those are black and brown single mothers, those are elderly people, and um, many times people actually have to give up their vouchers in order to find a housing unit. So they're giving away hundreds of dollars a month that they're actually um, entitled to. This is already illegal. It's already illegal um, according to the Fair Practices Ordinance, um, but we want to strengthen um, that ordinance to crack down on this discriminatory activity. So the legislation will um, explicitly state that uh, people trying to use vouchers um, are uh, protected from discrimination. It will also outline um, in the law the kind of behavior that is unallowable. You are not allowed to say that you don't rent um, to Section 8 tenants. You are not allowed to slow roll people's applications. You are not allowed to give people a different level of service or repairs if they are voucher tenants. Um, additionally, 
Um, we are changing the Fair Practices Ordinance to say that if folks feel they've been discriminated against um, and they report that activity to the Fair uh, the Human Relations Commission, they have um, they have to only wait 100 days. Currently, it's a year, but if we change this law, it will say they only have to wait 100 years before they can take private legal action um, if the Human Relations Commi- uh, Commission is not able to investigate their claims. So that's the first bill, which we're really hoping um, will cut down on this unlawful um, form of discrimination. Um, there's a second bill that's about creating a property tax relief program specifically for low-income homeowners. Um, we know that during the last round of assessments, people saw um, their property tax uh, assessments and therefore their tax bills go up astronomically. Mm-hmm. In my district, for example, um, we had the highest number of homeowners who saw their property assessments increase by 50% or more. Um, citywide, we saw 107,000 people where their property assessments increased by 50% or more. And then beyond that, there were thousands of folks who saw their assessments jump by 100% or 200% or 300%. So this legislation would allow us to create um, a relief program specifically for low-income homeowners who meet the income eligibility guidelines. Um, and through the program, their, their assessments would be frozen. Um, and so for me, this piece of legislation was really about protecting residents from displacement due to the city's activities, right? The city cannot be in the business of displacing our own residents because we are raising their property taxes to amounts that they can no longer sustain um, or afford. And then the third piece of legislation um, really looks at the housing trust fund. So currently um, within our zoning code, we offer developers to um, have bonuses for density and height in their development um, if they either include, include affordable housing on site in their development or make a payment in lieu to what's known as the housing trust fund. And so a lot of times when residents are hearing about um, developments in their neighborhood, the developers will tell them, oh, they're making this payment to the housing trust fund. But in reality, that money goes to the city's uh, general fund, and then there's a determination about how much of that money goes into the actual housing trust fund, which is the city's largest source for funding affordable housing projects. So my last piece of legislation would re- require that every penny that comes from a developer as a payment in lieu for affordable uh, housing be put into the housing trust fund. Further, the legislation would require that that money is invested back into the immediate neighborhood. So when, you know, uh, residents are seeing um, a market rate development go up in their neighborhood and a developer makes a payment into the housing trust fund, what we want is for that money to be invested within a two-mile radius of where that project is happening so that residents see the benefit. Um, that, you know, that comes from those dollars in their immediate neighborhood. Currently, that money is allowed to be used um, all over the city. So there's no real guarantee, even if a developer pays into the housing trust fund, that the immediate residents are going to really see the benefit of that activity. And so those are the first three bills. And again, it's about um, protecting vulnerable renters, protecting vulnerable homeowners, and making sure that the city has even more funding to invest in affordable housing um, in the neighborhoods specifically that are gentrifying. Um, 
Yeah, you know, so pretty so, excited about it. it, 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 it and it, it really is important because we are uh, in a city that is uh, now uh, embracing a lot of new construction for many years. That was sort of a yeah. dormant market in Philadelphia and particularly in West Philadelphia. I know that even with university homes that I referenced, that although they were provided with housing vouchers and even money to move, um, part of the problem with some of the residents and the reason why once they were uh, 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 ordered to be moved that it took a while for them to be able to do so is because of the difficulty even once you have a voucher which I'm assuming that yeah. that is not the easiest thing to get that there really is this uh, discriminatory practices against people that have housing vouchers. How do you think that we best uh, work these sometimes competing interests uh, together because you have people who need affordable housing, but you also do need new construction, uh, particularly in an older city like Philadelphia, uh, because we want to attract in new people. We want to attract in money and, and taxes and all these kinds of things, uh, but not at the expense of the people that have uh, have been here for so long and who also need housing. How do we work these competing, uh, sometimes competing uh, uh, goals? Absolutely. I think we have to come at this from a number of fronts. So one, we do have to protect people and we have to let landlords know that we're absolutely not going to accept any discriminatory behavior against people trying to find housing. Um, but also we have to um, preserve existing affordable housing and make sure that there's affordability in new developments. And that's why I created the city's first law a couple of years ago to require um, affordable housing in um, new developments in my district. And so I think we're coming at this um, from a range of ways. And, and the goal is exactly what you said. We want to be a city that's welcoming to new people, but not at the expense of the people who have been in our neighborhoods for generations, um, making the city, you know, the great place that it is. Um, and so this legislation aims to protect those folks. Where do we stand when it comes to affordable housing and new construction? I, I don't know if you know, but of course, New York City has the 80-20 program where you've got to provide 80% market in, in, any, in many buildings. I don't know if it's every, but when you do a new construction building, you have 80% of the tenants that are market rated and you have 20% affordable housing. And that's, there, there's an entire citywide program that does that, but it doesn't seem to be the same in Philadelphia. Well, so what you're talking about is called mandatory inclusionary zoning. Okay. I brought the, that law to Philadelphia. Um, so within the majority of the third district, any new development, whether it is um, rental or home ownership, has to include at least 20% of housing um, that is deeply affordable to the surrounding community. Um, that uh, zoning overlay exists in the third district and it exists in the seventh district. Um, because we operate um, in, 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 in a part of the fourth district, because we operate um, by councilman and prerogative, it's really up to the council members to opt in. Um, but this is something that I ran on. And so for me, um, it was very important to implement this in the third district because we're not seeing any affordable housing being created um, on the private market. 
Right. And so I honestly think we have to use legislation to force the issue. Right. And even in that case, I mean, where do you even go to find out? Because there are buildings under construction right now uh, in various districts. There are some in West Philadelphia. Where do you go to even find that out? Because I'm not sure that they are publicizing uh, the affordable income apartments in the way that you would think that they would. Well, it should be marketed like any other unit within the building, just under um, a, a different rent level. Mm. That's interesting um, because it just doesn't seem as though it is. I mean, it's difficult. I think we, you know that it's a difficult rental market at this point, Absolutely. particularly yeah. when it relates to new construction. And then what's happening is that uh, even private landlords who are uh, have been potentially uh, offering apartments at certain rates, they're following the ones that are uh, the new construction. That is making this is the feedback that I'm just getting uh, anecdotally. It's making it very difficult for people to be able to rent. So if there are people who are dealing with housing discrimination, if they have vouchers, if they have any of these things, because vouchers should be accepted. Do they have to be accepted just where you sort of, quote unquote, take Section 8 or is are vouchers no. supposed to be taken anywhere? Vouchers are supposed to be taken anywhere where you can sort of meet the, the rent requirement. Right. And a landlord saying that they do not accept voucher tenants. That is called source of income discrimination. Mm. Um, that is against the law, but it's a rampant practice here in Philadelphia. So that's a part of what we're trying to crack down on. Right. Well, that's obviously very, very significant. Um, so if there are people who are looking to rent and are experiencing that, because as you said, we're talking elders, we're talking single mothers in a lot of cases, where should they go uh, for recourse? Should they come to your office or is there some place that they should go even before that if they are having those challenges and they have vouchers? They should go to the Human Relations Commission. Um, the Human Relations Commission will listen to their claim um, and start an investigation into that activity. Um, but if there is anybody, uh, we can also help folks to understand that process. So they are also welcome to reach out to my office at 215-686-0460. And then the property taxes are, are also another issue. Um, and that is something that you're introducing as well. So once these things get introduced, uh, how long does it take before we can see uh, some movement on that? Is this something that you're trying to do in this session or does it take, I know the wheels of, of, uh, of poli- political uh, uh, <laughs> poli- politics can run a little slowly sometimes, but uh, when are we looking for some action on some of these things that you are proposing? Well, every um, bill that's introduced in the city council needs a hearing, a public hearing, right? And they're heard through um, committee. Um, and then if there's a successful committee vote, um, those bills come to the full council for a vote by the full council. Um, and so there's no uh, uh, sort of um, defined timeline. Um, it's around, you know, when we can schedule a hearing in particular committees um, and hopefully get support from colleagues, but I'm hopeful um, to do this this session. And in terms of feedback from the public, if people want to come in and make themselves known on this issue, how do they do so? Um, They can reach out to me. Um, They can find me on email at thirddistrict at sila.gov, C-H-I-L-A.gov. They can find me on every social media platform at at Councilmember JG, 
Um, they can call me at 215-686-0460, or they can come visit me at City Hall at um, office uh, room 316, Monday through Thursday. We're available for walk-ins from 9 to 5, or at my district office at 606 South 52nd Street, Monday through Thursday, 9 to 5. So we would love to hear from um, the public with their thoughts on this. All right. So don't say now that you can't find Councilperson Gaultier. She's available. <laughs> so if you have some issues around housing, please reach out to her via her social media accounts or even via walk-in hours, because these are things that people, these are real things that people are challenged by. And it's very, very important in our community and particularly in West Philadelphia and in really all the districts around the city to make sure that people are, are getting the housing uh, that they deserve and being able to stay in their housing when uh, they can. So, I, of course, we appreciate you, Councilwoman Gautier. Thank you so much for being a part of Reality Check. And uh, we will talk to you soon and see how things are progressing on these issues. Thank you, Tanya. Have a good day. Thanks for having me. You do the same. You've been listening to Word Radio On Demand. Listen live at 96.1 FM, 900 AM, and online at wordradio.com.